We read in God's Word this morning, Psalm 25. Psalm 25. We read this in connection with Lord's Day 11, which teaches us about the name Jesus, who is our Savior. Psalm 25, a psalm of David. Unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in Thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on Thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me Thy ways, O Lord. Teach me Thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will He teach sinners in the way. The meek will He guide in judgment, and the meek will He teach His way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, unto such as keep His covenant and His testimonies. For Thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in Thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on Thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Thus far we read God's holy and an errant word. May God add His blessing upon the reading of His holy scriptures. It's on the basis of Psalm 25 and many other passages of God's Word that we find the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 11. Lord's Day 11, question 29, why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, a Savior? The answer, because... 
He saveth us and delivereth us from our sins. And likewise, because we ought not to seek, neither can find salvation in any other. Do such then believe in Jesus, the only Savior, who seek their salvation and welfare of saints of themselves or anywhere else? They do not. For though they boast of Him in words, yet in deeds they deny Jesus, the only Deliverer and Savior. For one of these two things must be true, that either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or that they who by a true faith receive this Savior must find all things in Him necessary to their salvation. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, what this Lord's Day makes clear is that Jesus is the all-sufficient Savior. Jesus alone performs the work of delivering you and your children from your sins. The formula is not Jesus plus your works equals salvation. The formula is not Jesus Christ plus your faith equals salvation. But it is Jesus plus nothing and no one else, Jesus alone, who is our salvation. What comfort this is to parents to be reminded of this truth that Jesus alone saves and delivers us from all our sins. Faith leads us to rest with quiet confidence in this truth. Even as the psalmist said that he would lie down in the green pastures. We need not worry that there is even one thing that we must contribute to our salvation or to the salvation of our children. Jesus, the all-sufficient Savior. First, let's observe this morning the truth that He is a spiritual Savior. Second, a complete Savior, and third, a known Savior. There are two different senses in which we, according to the instruction of Lord's Day 11, can speak of Jesus Christ as being our spiritual Savior. Such an important truth, something that can be hard for our fleshly, physical minds to comprehend and to love. And so something that must be set 
before us again and again that Jesus is our spiritual Savior. The first sense in which the Catechism speaks of Jesus Christ as our spiritual Savior is this sense. He is our divine Savior. The Catechism says, question 29, why is He... Why is the Son of God called Jesus that is a Savior? The all-sufficient Savior is the only begotten Son of God. The One who was with the Father everlastingly as the second person of the Trinity the One who with the Father created the heavens and the earth, the One who was the Word of God by whom the heavens and the earth were shaped, the One who in the fullness of time came down from heaven, who was made of a woman, who dwelt among Men in human flesh. He was and is and forever shall remain divine. The spiritual Savior. The psalmist speaks of God as being the Savior. Psalm 25, verse 5. Lead me into Thy truth and teach me, for Thou art the God of my salvation. On Thee do I wait all the day. How important then that we contemplate this truth that the One who delivers us from our sins is divine. And because He is the God of our salvation, This means that He is capable of doing things that we as earthly parents are incapable of performing. As the divine Savior, He alone has the ability to give to us and our children a spiritual heart transplant. As the divine Savior, He alone has the ability to go with our children, protect our children, and watch over our children every single day of their lives. We teach even our young children to pray this way with their nighttime prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray Thee, Lord, my soul to keep. Jesus, as the divine Savior alone, has the ability to keep His children in His care. And then as the child grows up, 
then becomes more and more independent. The parents learn more and more to trust that Jesus, the divine Savior, will keep this child. As the child goes off to school for the first day, trust that God will keep the child. As the child years later gets a driver's license and it gains independence and goes out of the home away by himself or herself, the parents trust the Divine Savior will keep this child. The second sense in which we may speak of Jesus Christ as being a spiritual Savior is in this sense, beloved, the nature of the salvation that He gives unto His own is a spiritual salvation. This is to face the question, what is the nature of the salvation that Jesus Christ gives unto His people? You understand, we we can speak of salvation in different senses. There are many different ways in which one can speak of being saved or delivered. Joseph, when he was in prison down in Egypt, he wanted to be delivered, understandably, out of that prison cell. That's a form of salvation, being delivered physically out of bars, iron bars that would hold one back. A person who is caught in poverty desires salvation from that physical poverty. A person who is oppressed by a tyrant or a person who is in an abusive relationship seeks to be saved or delivered out of the oppression of the tyrant or the abuser in his or her life. And so we, we, we can speak of salvation in many different senses. So the question then is what is the nature of the relation of the salvation that Jesus Christ gives unto his own? And the testimony of God's Word, as well the testimony of the Reformed Confessions, is that the salvation that Jesus gives is a spiritual salvation. His name reveals this truth. Jesus. Joseph, uh, the angel came to Joseph and told him, Matthew 1.21, And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Spiritual salvation. As well, this is the testimony of answer 29 of the Catechism. Why is He called Jesus? Because He saveth us and delivereth us from our sins. 
the main work of Jesus Christ is not that of political reform. It is not the alleviation of poverty on this earth. The primary work of Jesus Christ is not to find or provide a cure to sickness and diseases. Jesus' work was not to be a revolutionary on this earth, but the work of Jesus Christ is to save His people from their sins. Jesus. His very name humbles us. For it calls attention to the fact that we are sinners and thus are in misery. This is the Savior that we need. Because we and our children are conceived and born in sin. When the Son of God, the Almighty and Divine Son of God, is given the name Jesus, then that means that there is for the children of men only one fitting name, sinner. If Jesus is the one who delivers people from their sins, and that's the name God has given unto Him, then the name that applies unto us is the name sinners. That's who I am, and that's who you are by nature. This is to be your and my personal confession. Psalm 25, verse 11 For thy name's sake, and you know what the name of God is, Jesus. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. The psalmist does not here make a general plea for the pardon of sins. He does not make a plea for the pardon of the sins of the neighbor who sinned against him. He does not make a plea generally for the pardon of the sins of the church, though those sins were great. But he prayed, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. The other day I was struck again with the importance of maintaining this biblical truth, namely the truth of total depravity. We and our children are conceived and born in sin. I was listening to a radio station which oftentimes has very edifying messages, biblical messages given on it, a station that in the past has been used for my great growth and development personally. But then as I was listening to it, listening to a message given by a pastor, suddenly he started to say things that caught my attention. He started speaking of 
those Calvinists and how those Calvinists keep insisting on total depravity, that there's no good found in man. And then the, this, this radio pastor went on to repudiate that, that idea of Calvinism that we and even our children are conceived and born in sin. And he went on to paint this terrible picture of how, how gross that is of Calvinists to conceive of their little children as being those who are sinful. How could you hold a little child in your arms and say of this child that this child is sinful? And I, I was at the very least disheartened very disheartened to hear that pastor speak of that. It, 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 it caught my attention and reminded me of the fact that the church of God must be prepared to stand for truth. There is an ongoing battle for truth. And always the lie seek, seeks to sneak into the church Cease to pervade the inner recesses of man's mind so that man take, tries to take the sharp edges of the Word of God away. Tries to soften down somewhat this truth of the sinfulness and the depravity of man. Lord's Day 11 does not have as its main focus the depravity, even the total depravity of man. It assumes it to be true. Jesus Christ saves and delivers us from our sins. That truth, the truth of total depravity, has already been taught in the previous Lord's Days. Lord's Days 2, 3, and 4. That we are so corrupt that we are wholly inclined unto all evil except we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. How serious is it that we continue to acknowledge and confess the truth of total depravity? It's this serious. If we are not sinners who of ourselves are dead in our sins and our miseries, then there is no Jesus for us. Jesus did not come into this world to save the healthy. But Jesus came into this world to save those who were dead in their trespasses and in their sins. To confess the truth of total Depravity is not to do an injustice to the cute, adorable baby held in the arms, but to confess the truth of total depravity is to confess our need for, our hope, and our confidence in Jesus Christ. Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
this truth that Jesus is the Savior, the spiritual Savior, must be taught to our children. It must be taught in clear, simple, understandable language unto our children. Children must be given to understand that the root problem upon this earth is the problem of man's sinfulness. It is because we have broken God's just and holy law that there is misery upon this earth. And here we who are parents do well to reflect upon the conversations that we have in front of our children. Children are so very intuitive. They can pick up on things beyond what we believe them to be capable of understanding. And they learn from our adult conversations about God and Jesus and salvation. And so what is it then that fills our conversations? Are we as parents always talking about the need for political reform? About the need to get rid of this politician or that politician? And if we get rid of this politician, then that will solve problems? Are we as parents filling our conversations about the need for reforming the health care System about finding a cure for this or that disease and holding our breath until there is some cure for this or that sickness on the earth? Are our conversations filled with concerns about money? If only we had the money to be able to afford this. If only we could be alleviated from this poverty, then we could go on this or that vacation. The children will learn from the parents' conversations what is the nature of the salvation that they need. And if the conversation is always focused on one subject or another subject, and rarely is sin and Jesus mentioned, then the children will start to believe that this is this physical thing is what they need salvation from. Our Savior is spiritual. How important that the children hear us not only talk about salvation from sin, but that the children hear us as parents confess our sins. How important that the children hear us as parents speak of the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope of life everlasting. How important that children hear about Jesus being the complete Savior who alone delivers us from our sins. 
the Catechism describes Jesus Christ as the complete Savior who delivers us, who performs all of salvation for us. Both answers of this Lord's Day, both 29 and 30, speak of and emphasize that fact that Jesus is the exclusive Savior. It's not Jesus plus someone else, but Jesus alone who delivers us from our sins. Question 29. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, a Savior? Because He saves and delivers us from our sins, and likewise, because we ought not to seek, neither can find salvation in any other. And then the end of answer 30, second half. For one of these two things must be true. That either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or that they who by a true faith receive this Savior must find all things in Him necessary to their salvation. Jesus, according to the first part of answer 29, saves and delivers us from our sins. Let's look more closely at these two words which describe the complete work of Jesus Christ in redeeming us. On the one hand, the work of Jesus Christ is described as saving. He saves us from our sins. That He saves us from our sins calls attention to the work of Jesus Christ as He delivers us from the guilt of our sins. This is the legal work of Jesus Christ. What we call justification. It's the work of God through Jesus Christ whereby He declares that we are not guilty, that we are not condemned everlastingly into perdition, but that we are loved of God. That we are innocent in this holy courtroom. That even the sins of youth which have been committed against God, God does not remember those sins anymore. That's the gracious work of God through Jesus Christ as He saves us from our sins. And then the catechism goes on to speak of Jesus delivering us from our sins. He saves and delivers us. Psalm 25, verse 20. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in Thee. Here, as the catechism speaks of delivering us, the catechism speaks of the ongoing work of Jesus Christ. If saving us is a reference to the legal work of Jesus Christ, as He imputes unto us His righteousness so that we are holy in the sight of God, then delivering us refers to the subjective work of Jesus Christ. It's the ongoing work of Jesus by His Holy Spirit as He takes us and He transforms us into the image of Himself. You see, even though legally we've been set free from our sins and the guilt of them, 
The reality is we still must battle against that old man. And so the work of Jesus Christ delivering us is the work of Christ as He sanctifies us. As He makes us to be holy, even as God is holy. This is the complete work of Jesus Christ. And as He both saves us from our sins and delivers us from our sins. Important implications arise from this truth that Jesus is the complete Savior. Both of these words, save and deliver, are so important for parents of covenant children to believe. Jesus saves and delivers. This shapes the way in which we rear up the youth, the children whom God has given to us. Understanding that Jesus saves and delivers motivates us as parents to greater fidelity in the manner in which we raise them. Jesus performs the work of saving and delivering, but Jesus has called you and me as parents to be the ones by which Jesus is taught unto this child. So we face the question then, is the manner of our parenting reflecting the love, the holiness, the grace, and the strength of Jesus Christ? Is the manner of our parenting reflecting the love, the holiness, the grace, and the strength of Jesus Christ, who alone saves and delivers. The goal of parenting is not to raise what the world determines to be successful children. The goal of parenting is not to raise financially successful children. The goal of parenting is not to raise children who succeed academically, who are the best, the smartest in their class. The goal of parenting is not to raise successful athletes who succeed on the court or on the field. But the goal of parenting is to have the child come to a mature, confident, knowledgeable faith in Jesus Christ, who alone saves and delivers. 
And so we do well to examine ourselves and ask whether the way that we talk with our children, whether the way that we discipline our children shows the love, the holiness, the grace, and the strength of Jesus Christ. We can examine even the way in which we use the rod with the child. You can fall into one of two ditches with the use of the rod. Some neglect the use of the rod, showing too much leniency to the children. Then the child child grows up knowing that he or she can get away with anything. And the child fails to appreciate the fact that Jesus Christ delivers, sanctifies, drives out sinfulness out of that child. But on the other hand, some use the rod, but they use the rod in the wrong way. They use the rod out of frustration and out of anger. And so then the child comes to resent father and mother because dad and mom are always angry at me and they show their anger at me as they beat me with the rod. The rod is not to accumulate dust unused, but the rod also is not to be used out of anger. Does our parenting show the love, the holiness, the grace, and the strength of Jesus Christ Himself? Then also what comfort there is to the believing parent to know that Jesus Christ alone saves and delivers In comparison to so many of the parents in this congregation, my level of experience as a parent is very limited. I've only been a parent for a year and a half now. But in that last year and a half, God has made more and more clear unto me the limitations that we as parents There are, it seems, a thousand and one responsibilities that rest upon the shoulders of father and mother. Tasks that are endless. And the parent, sensitive to the high requirement given to him in the law of God can feel very inadequate at times in instructing and rearing up this child in the fear and knowledge of Jehovah God. And so how comforting it is then to be assured and reminded of this truth that Jesus alone saves and delivers us from our sins. Through all of these trials in parenting, God teaches us to wait upon Him. Psalm 25, verse 5. 
Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. And at times it seems that that's the best that parents can do. Wait. Wait on the Lord all day long. Wait on the Lord when the child is misbehaving. Wait on the Lord. Trust on the Lord when it seems that correcting and rebuking and disciplining the child is not accomplishing anything. Wait on the Lord when the child tests you as all children do. Wait on the Lord all the day. The only way that you and I as parents can wait on the Lord is when we know the Lord. And how amazing that we can know This Savior, He who is God, the Son of God, He who was with God in the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth, He who now sits enthroned at God's right hand, He who holds all things in His hands, who rules over all things so that Nothing great or small happens apart from His sovereign determination. He who came into this world, who was made of a woman, who suffered all His life long, who died, and who was resurrected again on the third day, He who is your and my Savior can be known. He is not the distant, the aloof, or the detached King, but He is the One who pours out His Holy Spirit upon His church, who dwells with us and in us, who spreads His love abroad in our hearts. He reveals Himself unto us even by His own name, Jesus who saves His people from their sins. By faith, only by faith, we know and we receive this Savior. The end of answer 30. They who by a true faith receive this Savior must find all things in Him necessary to their salvation. By true faith, we receive Him. Yes, Jesus must be taught. That's the third question of the baptism vows. I promise and intend to see this child instructed and brought up in the aforesaid doctrine. Yes, children must be corrected. 
admonished, disciplined, provided for, nurtured, loved. But only God is able to give our children faith. And by the gift of faith, God the Holy Spirit unites our children unto Jesus Christ. By faith, our children come not merely to have an intellectual understanding of Jesus who saves His people from their sins, but our children by faith come to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. God gives this certain knowledge and assured confidence to believers and their seed. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, how great Thou art and greatly to be praised. Thy ways are beyond our ways. Thy judgments are a mighty deep. Wilt Thou Bless us, press Thy Word upon our hearts by Thy Holy Spirit. Strengthen us as parents to be faithful in fulfilling the baptism vows which we have sworn. Forgive us our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.